Welcome to the Caruso and Wade podcast. I am Anthony Caruso. And I'm Susan Wade. I am from New Jersey. And I'm from Seattle. Steve Easton is an Australian who is trying to make a name for himself in the United States. He is presently the driver of the Patriot Pro Mod. Prior to becoming a driver, he actually received his first opportunity to come to America to work for a race team when he was offered an opportunity to work at John Force Racing. He actually received that offer while he was still living in Australia. When he worked at John Force Racing, he was a member of Courtney Force's race team. Now, he occasionally works for the Scrappers Racing Team, led by driver Mike Salinas. He has a goal to be racing against Courtney Force and living legend John Force within the next five years. Yeah, sure. <laughs> How did you get started in racing? But um, I accidentally fell into drag racing when I was uh, probably about 20 years old in Australia. I uh, met a guy that owned a junkyard, a Datsun junkyard, and I had a Datsun at the time. And I went there to buy some Datsun parts, and he had a 69 Camaro with a brand-new 630-inch big-block Chevy drag engine hanging above this thing on the forklift in this dirty old junkyard and I'm like dude I'm a mechanic by trade you want some help what the heck you know like and I ended up just helping this guy working on his race cars um and that 69 Camaro he was building he had I think four or five other race cars he didn't have a driver for that car yet because uh, I did a bunch of work helping get the car together he's like hey do you want to see if you can drive it so I jumped in a uh, 1932 Ford sedan that had a nitrous small block in it running, I think, probably 10s or something like that. Jumped in that and, and took my first trip down to drag strip and something with horsepower. Before that, the fastest I'd ever been was, uh, I think, a 16.8 in my little 1977 Datsun. <laughs> okay. So, so I kind of, it was, it was a baptism of fire. Uh, and then from there, I, I moved up into a eight-second blown alcohol 32 Ford coupe and just kind of clicked with drag racing. The theory of it makes sense to me. It kind of... I've never really struggled with trying to understand how to make uh, a drag drag racing vehicle work and improve and go faster. It just kind of clicked in my brain, so I... I was only a young kid and figured, hey, if I'm good at something and I like doing it, I should probably try and try and put all of my effort into this. Um, so I ended up, I was I was a diesel diesel mechanic and uh, auto electrician in Australia, working for a, a big uh, Toyota's line of trucks, Kino trucks, and um, was spending all of my free time, all of my nights, weekends, vacation time, going drag racing. I came to the, the U.S. in 2007 for the first time, and it just, uh, just blew my mind. Just changed my whole universe. Seeing what racing was like here compared to in, in Australia, uh, and I knew, you know, that moment. I knew this is where I, this is where I needed to be, and this is where my future was. So it took me another 
four years to get uh, to get my green card and be able to uh, move over here and, and work and live here on a green card. So I'm a permanent resident, um, working towards getting my citizenship. Um, hopefully, only about a year away from becoming a U.S. citizen. Um, and yeah, I, I've been just just bumping and grinding the whole time, uh, trying to work my way up through the through the nitro ranks and and uh, and learn as much as I can along the way about how the cars work and the theory behind the engines and, and building the engines and everything else on the race car. I mean, my my theory is if if I can. Uh, if I can know as much as possible and be as good as I possibly can be at, at all aspects of the sport, then I've, I've got the most chance of being able to uh, keep pushing forwards in the sport. You have raced many different cars, including a nostalgia funny car. But you mentioned in an interview that I saw that you like the Pro Mods the most. Why is that? I absolutely love Pro Mod. It probably goes back to when I first started racing and I was racing, you know, door slammers, uh, you know, look like a car, kind of drive like a car, just have way too much horsepower. Uh, I, it kind of appeals to me more than a funny car because it appeals to the fans, I think, more than a funny car as well, you know, the same thing. It, it still resembles a real car a lot more. They're very technical to drive, a pro mod. Um, they don't talk to you. A funny car, a funny car almost talks to you. Uh, you, you. You're tied to the rear end with the race harness. You know, you're sitting right in the middle of the car, right on top of the rear end housing, and you feel the attitude of the car as it's going down the racetrack through, through your butt, basically. It comes up through your butt, and, and you kind of can can sense which way the car's trying to move before it even starts to move. And with a pro mod, you're sitting off to the left side like you would in a normal car. You're sitting way further in front of the rear end, and it has suspension, which kind of dulls down what the car is trying to tell you. And it's almost like it's almost like the car doesn't talk to you at all. By the time you realise the car is is moving in a direction and it's it's gonna start maybe getting out of shape it's already there and and you've got to be on top of it you've got to be in front of the car you've got to be focused on what you're doing and ready to make a move to to keep that run alive you know a lot of times um being being in the driver's seat, you know, when everything works perfectly and everything goes right, it's, it's fun and it's easy. But there's a lot of times, especially with a Pro Modified, when you're just trucking down Broadway and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the thing tries to make a, a turn left on you. You're like, where the hell did this come from? So, you know, you've got to be ready for that and ready to try and counter-steer it and try and keep it in the groove or get it back in the groove as fast as you can so you don't lose that run. Um, that's what I love about ProMod. It's such a big challenge. I've, I've, I've raced Nostalgia Funny Car quite a lot, Alcohol Funny Car a lot. Um, I've, I've lucky enough to make two license runs in an NHRA Funny Car, a Top Fuel Funny Car. That was that taught me a lot. Um, those things are a whole nother universe. You know, the difference between a Nostalgia Nitro Funny Car and a ProMod, they're both about the same, you know, sort of acceleration, they're uh, they're both pretty violent and pretty unpredictable. Then then the uh, NHRA funny car is just 
that that's out of control. That's like the whole universe exploded when I stepped on the gas for that thing for the first time. And that was almost two years ago when I, when I had the chance to, to license in one of those. Never got to actually finish my license. Oh. But I uh, made two runs. Um, I had to make one more run. And the timing just was never right for that happen again. Um, so I need to start start again and, and make I only have to make a half track and two full track runs and I've got my, my NHRA funny car license. Um, but that first time I stepped on the throttle, the closest thing I can come to describing it is the universe exploded. You know, I I pulled in, jumped in the car, I was working on the car as well at the time. I, I was I was bolting the cylinder head on the car and, and working a, alongside Johnny West, who was the crew chief, I was his assistant, um, and bolting a cylinder head on the car. So I had to put the car together, and then we warmed it up, dragged it up to the start line, then I changed into my fire suit, jumped in the car, and Johnny West leaned in and he said, hey, kid, don't try and impress me. Just do what you do. And until that moment, I wasn't even nervous. But as soon as he said that, oh, talk about bringing you back down to reality. Dude, I was nervous as heck after that. So we started the car up and, and didn't really get a chance to, to think about what I was going to do too much. Went in, did a burnout. It felt normal. It felt like every other funny car I'd ever done a burnout in. And I backed up and it just, I'm like, oh, this thing, this is just like a normal funny car that I've driven. This, this thing's, Wow, I'm so, I'm so much less afraid of it now after the burnout and bringing it into stage. And and the guy who built the chassis for that, Grant Downing, a New Zealand guy that I know very well, he built the chassis on that car and all the Del Wershon's chassis for a long time and stuff. I had called him the week leading up to it and asked his advice before I drove the car because I, I didn't want to do anything silly and, and you know, maybe waste my only opportunity at getting the license in one of these cars. And he said, dude, if everything's not perfect, take your foot out of the throttle. Other than that, you'll be fine. So I stepped on the throttle on this thing and holy crap. It was the most intense feeling I've ever felt. It was like if you had lined up every single car I've ever driven and joined them all together and stepped on the throttle at the same time, that wouldn't even have been half as exciting as what this sensation was. Like, <laughs> it blew me away. I made it out maybe, maybe 200 feet, and it smoked the tires, turned hard left, and I got off it and kept it in the lane, and... We went out, made another run, made it down to about 800 feet. It dropped a hole, pushed me over towards the wall, and I had to get off it before the finish line. I think I ran like a 450 at 285 mile an hour or something on my second run in the car, but you know, it was only only down to about 800 feet. I had to get off it. Oh, wow. So I definitely have had a taste of that NHRA Nitro Funny Car, and it's kind of ruined my whole life. I know what it feels like now, and I know what I'm missing out on. So I kind of, I'm looking at what I'm doing at the moment, driving the Pro Mod, driving the Nostalgia Funny Car, tuning these cars, um, you know, honing my crafts as as a driver, as, as a as a you know as a crew guy, as a, a tuner. This this I guess to me, my life at the moment, I guess I'm looking at as boot camp. Um, the harder I work right now. The, the more it's going to pay off in the future. There's a bunch of things I haven't figured out how to do. Um, marketing and, and PR is, is probably the, the biggest hurdle I have next, obviously. The well, that's funding. why you got Elon. 
Now, Elin is just a godsend, mate. Absolute godsend. Well, I've is... known Elin for a very, very long time, and uh, this is like... Uh... Year 10, I've known him. Year 11, something like that. Uh, yep. For the longest time, he was always with JFR, and yep. now he's kind of back with them, but not really. He's yeah. He helps out with them at certain races. So I've known him for a very, very long time. Yeah, and I, I'm so, you know, I'm so grateful for the opportunities I, I got while I was working at John Force Racing and the people I got to meet there and. You know, they're, they're such a good company to work for and work with and, and very good getting to to build those relationships with those people. I'm, I'm, you know, Elon has taken me under his wing and he's, he's given me a lot of guidance and, and sort of training me to to know what I need to to do as, as the media increases and, and you know... I get more interviews, you know, guys like you are, are helping me out so much as well, being, you know, I, I don't have a name, nobody's ever heard of me yet, and and I'm, I'm really grateful that there's people out there that are willing to, you know, take a chance on some fresh content and, and talk to a, a punk from Australia that's trying to go racing over here and swim with the sharks and, and, and build a career over here. Well, I saw a press release from Elon, um, when was that, a week or so ago, maybe two weeks ago, and, and I always try to interview somebody who is, uh, I, not really I get tired of like those pro drivers from the NHRA, but I, I just feel like you, you talk to them about the same stuff always, all the time, and, and you don't really talk to anybody different so i was like anybody different like that jet car guy yeah. uh like how many people are actually going to interview that guy probably not much of anybody so i was like okay i'll give that guy a shot and then yep. when even uh so now this press release now we're like well let's let's see if he'll talk to me and and then do an interview interview from there yep and you briefly touched on it uh you, you were previously working as a clutch specialist for for Courtney Force when while you were at John Force John Force Racing, and that was before she's done so successful this season. What was it like for you to work on work on her team? It was amazing. It was it was the chance of a lifetime. I mean, it it quite honestly changed my entire life getting the opportunity to work for John Force Racing. I was as I said, I was I was a diesel mechanic in Australia at the time and wanting to come over here I'd, I'd just got my green card so I could legally come and, and live and work here and I, I'd been talking to a bunch of the big race teams and, and put my resume around trying to get a job and I, Bernie Federley called me up one day and said hey kid you want to come and work we're building a new team for for, uh, for John's youngest daughter Courtney do, do you want to come and have a job here and I jumped on the chance. I think he gave me a week to to pack up in Australia and, and move to Indianapolis to start the job. It was pretty late in the winter, and there was a, I think it was around about the fourth of December or something like that when I started. Fourth or fifth of December was my start date, and you know he said, "Well, you you need to do it 
you need to be here in a week, otherwise we're going to have to find somebody else to take this job. And I'd been working at my job in Australia for nine years, so I just had to walk in and say, hey, I'm really sorry, guys, but I'm out. I'm, I'm going to the other side of the world. I'd never been, never been to Indianapolis, didn't know what I was in for, packed two suitcases, jumped on a plane and, and uh, flew to Indianapolis and lived in a hotel there for like a month or something. I would get in the car, finish, and getting on my feet and ended up finding a guy on the team and moved in with him and, and shared a house with him and stuff like that. But the opportunity of, of getting to work for the the biggest name in, in drag racing is not something I ever took lightly. And, and I put a lot of effort in when I was there. I tried to be the best Steve Easton I could be and learn the most I could learn. And it, it's a it's a... A company full of full of people that are, are passionate and good at what they do and never say die and never quit and always keep pushing. So being surrounded by people that smart and with that much motivation made it very easy for me to stay motivated and and to stay you know on top of myself and keep pushing myself. It's a little bit of a challenge moving to the other side of the world and you know leaving your your whole family and friends and your support network behind and having to learn a new culture and a new language as you know we we both speak English but Australian English is is a lot different to American English at times. So yes. It, it's been a, you know, it's been quite the journey. It's been quite the struggle, and I, I think getting the opportunity to start at the best, the biggest and, and best, maybe not the biggest, but the best race team there is. You know, the most, the most popular guy, the most winning, successful guy on earth to work on his race team as your first race team to work for. I mean, that was just. Unbelievable! I, I made a, a decision in myself when I started working there and, and saw what the shop was like with the full machine shop. They make their own engines and heads and superchargers, full fab shop, make their own, you know, chassis. Every part that bolts to the chassis, that they, they make all the tin work and framework inside the bodies and everything all in-house. So I, I wanted to learn everything I could while I was working there. So I spent a lot of nights staying back with guys in the machine shop and the fab shop, and, and they were awesome. They taught me how to use the equipment, the tooling, the materials, you know, so much stuff. I, I just tried to be the biggest sponge I could be while I was there. Um, I would have loved to have probably worked there for for a couple of years longer, but I had some family commitments I needed to sort out in Australia in 2014. So, so I had to go back to Australia for a while uh, for my family. And then when, when all of that had been sorted out, I was straight on the plane back over here and, um, and, and kept working on things. Ended up working for Tony Pedregon and, and, and doing, doing part of a season with him and then got, Got hooked up with uh, Johnny West on a on another funny car deal and spent almost two years involved with him on on that car. What and, car was um, that? That was John Bojack's car. Okay. Um, I'd probably prefer to not have his name in the interview. <laughs> okay. Okay. No problem. Uh, things didn't end very well there. And uh, he's not somebody that I will ever, ever, ever be associated with in the rest of my life. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but 
I mean, it was good. I, I try. I've, I've been been working very hard on building building my experience and building my knowledge and 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 learning from everybody I, I can. Jimmy Prox taught me a lot. John Medlin's taught me an incredible amount of things. Johnny West has, has been a big mentor. And, and just recently this year, I, I got the opportunity to work Mike with, Salinas. with Mike Salinas, which, which brought into, you know, Doug Cook, getting to work side, you know, getting to work under Doug Cook is a really, really smart guy and a great crew chief and a great team leader. He's got an awesome attitude, you know. There's more to this sport than how the engine works or the clutch works or the car works. There's how do you work with the people? How do you interact with, you know, 10 guys that are all type A personalities? Um, you know, these everybody's strong-willed and smart and, and has has ideas that they want to put forward. It's there's so many different aspects to, to trying to be successful and move up in this sport that I guess I never considered when I was just starting out in the sport. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a struggle to, to, to learn all this stuff and, and to try and learn it quickly. You know, I've only been here in the States for six years. I spent almost three years working full-time as a crew guy. And, and now for the last... I guess last year was was when I made the decision that I wanted to I wanted to pursue uh, the driving aspect of the sport again, um, and I, I spent most of last year driving the Nostalgia Funny Car and, and working on that, and also uh, consulting on the tune up on this Pro Mod Patriot Pro Mod, and, and driving that a few times last year. So this year, I, I had committed to the Patriot Pro Mod team that upgraded their engine package and gone from a Chevrolet to a Hemi. And part of that was was I said I would I would come and give them my 100% dedication to helping get that transition happening, helping to get a, a, a tune-up worked out for the new engine combination. And, and part of that was. Um, you know, me driving the car as well and, and getting the opportunity to be in the same car, you know, week in, week out, every every weekend, going to a race and, and, and trying, to, trying to get my name out there as a driver a little bit and, and trying to get the name out there for this car a little bit as well and, and try and just grow together as a team. Um, it's been a, a tough... It's been a, a, a tough year this year. We, we started a little bit late in the season, and we've had uh, some, some very, very large challenges to overcome. These guys are a really, really good bunch of guys, and, and they've always stayed together through thick and thin, as, as hard as it is, and the late nights and the 3 a.m.s every day for weeks and weeks on end, getting up at 7 a.m. and coming back to do it again just to get the car to the racetrack. And then we're at the racetrack, and... We we hit hurdles at the racetrack and we're working on the car until the middle of the night, and not getting any sleep, just to come back the next day and figure out what the next hurdle is. And these guys haven't given up. They've stayed a, a strong team and worked together the whole time. I mean, as a driver, as a tuner, as a crew guy, as a you know a guy that's passionate and absolutely loves drag racing, couldn't ask for a better group of guys to hang out with. Well, you kind of answered one of my other questions for that, and that was going to be driving the Patriot Pro Mod full-time and being a, a tuning specialist. Yep. 
I have a question because Elon said you only have 25 minutes and we're 24 minute mark and I okay. still have like four more questions sorry uh, is that okay yeah, man. Yeah, sorry. I didn't uh, mean to ramble on so much. It's, it's all good. I just wanted to make sure. So this yeah. season, you de- debuted with uh, Motorsports Unlimited. Dur- during that first race, you actually went to the final round where you were the runner-up. What was that like? Because most people who race, they don't get to go to, in their first race with a team, they don't get to go to the final round. So that was had to be special for you. That was that was really special. That was that was a great day. I mean, that's one of those days where all the planets just align in the universe, and and things just seem to just just fall into the right position. The car was was a completely you know un well not completely untested, but it was it was it's not sorted that car even still. And we just things just fell together right that day. We ended up in the final round. It was. The first time I'd driven the car, the first time I'd, I'd been to the racetrack with Ken from Motorsports Unlimited, he's, he's on board helping the Patriot Pro Mod team with, with all of their parts. He helped them uh, find this engine and put the engine together and, and purchase the engine. He, um, he supplies all of their parts and a lot of, uh, a lot of knowledge comes along with those parts from him. So it was great to get to work with him and be a part of his race team. I'd love to do some more with Ken in the future. Um, our schedules have collided a little bit so far this season between the two teams. So hopefully in the future we can do a lot more together with all of these cars. That uh, I, I worked very hard as a driver. I've been in the final round a lot of times. Uh, I, I worked very hard on my lights and, and focus extreme focus when I, when I'm racing a car I, I spent hours and hours and hours leading up to that first day in the car sitting in Ken's car practicing what I was going to do running drills basically uh, of where the controls were what what I was going to do in the run um, kind of like extended blindfold testing like you need to do when you when you're licensing in a nitro car you got to know where all the controls are without seeing well, I take that to the next level, and any car that I drive, I spend hours leading up to a race sitting in the car pretending I'm making a run in the car. And if I ever make a mistake in my my um, routine, if I'm ever out of sequence or do something wrong, I stop, I start again, and I'm I'm running drills basically in my mind and with my body uh, of what I'm going to do when I'm driving that car, I've driven so many different race cars. Every car is different, you know, from in the one week last year, I drove the Pro Mod twice and the Nostalgia Funny Car once in the one seven-day period. So to be able to be competitive and do my job properly and succeed being able to swap from car to car like that takes takes some focus and some practice, and I, I work really hard at it. I don't want to ever come into a, into a team and not put that effort in because I think that's what helps get you into the winner's circle or, or get you a good run, which helps build the tune-up. You know, having a driver that that does their job and focused and, and makes conscious decisions while they're going down the racetrack, it helps a lot in a race team. I've worked with, with some of the coolest drivers around. Working with Tony Pedregon, 
You know, it's a shame to see him retired now. He was one of the most amazing drivers I've ever worked with. The stuff that he could tell you when he got out of the car at the finish line about how the car acted, what it did, what was wrong with it, you know, before we even pulled the car apart. Amazing. I, I, I totally aspire to one day be a driver as, as good as that. This season... You're attempting to be a full-time driver, and with that, especially when you're not a big-time team, funding always is a question and is always a problem for some teams. How do you guys you, – you, you mentioned that you guys are dealing with challenges. I don't know if that is one of the challenges, but how do you guys – or how do you deal with that as a driver? Funding, I think, is probably the largest challenge any any race team faces. Funding and staff, probably the two largest challenges any race team faces, and they kind of go hand in hand. These guys um, are self-funded. They have um, Motorsports Unlimited that gives them a lot of help with with their parts. But um, Core Valentine from uh, What's his company's name again? Um, VSI, Valserve Industrial is his company. He funds everything himself and throughout the team. The other team members, Randy Minardio and Charlie Takis, they also input a, a bunch of their time for free. All of their time is, is, is donated to the team because they're so passionate. It's their team. Charlie owns the trailer. Randy, you know, handles a bunch of shipping and this and that. And, and it's kind of just one of those group of guys that love it so much and are so passionate about it. As challenging as funding is and, and trying to figure out where to find the money to go racing, they just knuckle down and, and figure it out and put their heads together and, and work as hard as they need to work to, to make it happen. You know, they don't bite off more than they can chew. They're very realistic about what they can try and achieve and, and how much money they can spend. And um, part of what I'm, I'm bringing to the table is, is my experience tuning and, and driving and and we've got a, an agreement worked out together that, that we're able to, to make all of this work between us. Um, it would definitely definitely be a lot, you know, a lot less uh, stress and, and, and uh, maybe a little less hard work if, if we had an unlimited budget. But in reality, there's, there's not very many teams that have a big budget, especially at the pro mod level. Um, me as a driver... Funding is probably my number one restrictor. Um, not independently wealthy. Uh, for me to focus as, as much as I feel I need to focus on driving to be, you know, a, a championship winning driver and a, and a round winning driver and a, and a successful test driver. I, I do quite a bit of test runs for different people in their cars to help them sort problems out with their car and, and move forwards in testing and, and performance of their car. For me to be a driver that can handle all of those challenges, I need to put a lot of energy and focus and time into driving. So it, it's a challenge for me to, to find enough time to make money besides that um i'm hoping with with some of the some of the publicity that comes along with 
being able to drive full time and and get my name out there as a driver slash tuner slash crew person, you know, um, hopefully that will open a few more doors for me in the pro mod market. Um, on the tuning side and and the testing side of things, where you know I can I can subsidise some of some of my driving, uh, I guess driving um, dedication, subsidise that with with some of the tuning and and engine building stuff that I do as well. Um, hopefully, moving forwards into the future. Um, working working with with guys like Eland that are you know number you know up in the, the top of their game you know just so good at, at what they do on the PR side of things you know I, I'm hoping that I can break out into the media some more and, and maybe take a little bit of a little bit of that strain of the funding away by by bringing on board some some corporate partners and 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 help find some companies that, that we can work with together and, and push push them forwards with their company and their products and, and you know, mutually work together and, and move forwards in this sport and this industry, you know, together with people as I grow and they grow. There's, there's always the opportunity there for that. And it, it's something that I'm... I'm never going to lose sight of and never going to lose uh, uh, motivation towards um, having the, the need for an external source of funding makes me realize that the external source of funding has a need for, for somebody that has a passion that wants to push their product and, and, and help grow together. So I've got kind of a, a little bit of a um, maybe a outside-of-the-box package here being, you know, I'm – I got a funny accent. <laughs> I got a a lot of passion that uh, and a lot of motivation, and and I've worked very hard at, at building building my skills, and I'm continuing to work at, at building my skills on all aspects of the sport. So hopefully that'll be something that that we can get some partners in on the corporate side of things, and uh, it'll be a, a package that'll suit suit people and. And, and push people forwards as as far as we want to push forwards as well. <clears throat> you said in an interview you want to compete with Courtney Force and living legend John Force in the next five to ten years, and you briefly touched on it that you have to do a half pass and then two full passes to get your license. How long do you think it would take you to get that, and then how long you get your license one, and then how long do you think it would take for you to potentially find a ride to compete with them? Wow, that's uh, that's one of those questions that's almost like how big's the universe? It's it's a tricky one to answer. Um, I, uh, my my dream, you know, I guess uh, my goal that I've set myself in the next five to ten years is is to be is to be at the racetrack, you know, qualified alongside at least Courtney. Um, I'm not sure that I'll make it in time to. Uh, to to be qualified at a race and, and be on the same entry list as John, um, I would I would love for that well, to happen. Well, he says he's going to race until until he dies. So, and he's already sixty nine. So, 
He's, he's, I'm sure he's got a lot more years left in him, and, and I'd love to see my name on the, on the entry list alongside alongside him. And, and I, I guess so, sometimes you have to set goals that you don't even know how you're going to achieve. Um, and for me, that's kind of like what my my whole life has been for the last 10 years has has been a a list of goals that I have no idea how I'm going to achieve them but I I just knuckle down and and and, and, you know bite off bite off one piece at a time and chew it up and swallow it and and move to the next piece so um, I could definitely definitely see myself in in the next five to ten years time being on the entry list of an NHRA race in top fuel or funny car Alongside some of the legends of the sport, whether or not I'm I'm in a car that's competitive enough to to make it to the winner's circle, or whether I'm you know experiences enough as a driver to even to even be able to push a car that hard to get it to be competitive and be in the winner's circle, only time will tell. Um, I, I it's around about between thirty and fifty thousand dollars just to make those license passes. To, uh, to upgrade my license to get into uh, an HRA funny car. So there's, there's the first challenge there is, is, to, uh, is to have a spare $30,000 or, or, you know, work a, a partnership out with somebody to, uh, to be able to come up with the funding for that and be able to have that. Then from there, having my license, it, it changes changes my world a little bit. Uh, I can be a, a lot more confident then, you know, talking to people with race teams, talking to, to potential partners, corporate partners about what we can actually achieve realistically and and where the next steps would lie from that. I think the, we're laying the groundwork right now with, um, you know, some of the, the, the media stuff Elon's trying to do with me at the moment. We're, we're sort of like dipping our toes in the water and, and, and testing out, you know, what people think of me uh, in the in the public and, and in the media, what, what guys like you, um, what I guess what, what you guys think of me and, and whether or not uh, you think I'm somebody that... Uh, that would have have something that you'd want to tell a story about in the future and want to try and uh, get behind and, and, and follow follow the journey as as these things grow and change that that all kind of comes comes into it um, I, uh, I if, if I had if I woke up tomorrow morning and and, and um, could turn around and say okay, Race team X. Um, let's set a date for when I can I can jump in the car and, and do my license. Then uh, it's as simple as making that phone call and and working with race team X and and spending that amount of money to uh, to make the license runs. I'm I'm respectfully confident that in three runs, as long as the car does what the car needs to do and the racetrack does what the racetrack needs to do, that I can I can do what I need to do to make those license runs and get my license, have a lot of experience in the alcohol ranks, the nostalgia ranks, the, the pro mod ranks, and in a lot of different cars, which I think gives me some unique 
abilities at learning quickly to adapt to a new vehicle. Uh, I'm not saying in, in one second that I'd be able to adapt to a nitro funny car quickly. It is, like I said before, it, it's just a totally different universe, guys. Like Sean Langdon, you know, you see him this year make the switch from top fuel drags to the nitro funny car and, and hearing his take on the difference between the two and, and the challenges between driving the fastest wheeled vehicle on earth, the fastest accelerating wheeled vehicle on earth to the, to the, to a funny car, the second fastest, the challenges he's faced in doing that. I know that I definitely would get into it and be like a doctor water, but I, uh, I, I'm respectfully confident that I have what it takes as a driver to be able to learn and, and the dedication to take on board what, what the crew chiefs and, and the experienced drivers teach me. You couldn't get like John to to help you because I, I guess when you you tested before in that trying to get your license, I guess that was with John's car, right? No, it, it was it was not with John's car. It was oh. it was um, it was with a, a small single car race team that uh, isn't racing anymore. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, I mean, I. Uh, Because I know that uh, they were they they helped out with Austin Prop, but then that's their future driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know what happens behind closed doors at John Force Racing, and not being involved with the company anymore. You know, on on that level of things, I've still got a lot of close friends there. But uh, you know, that's that's all. Uh, uh, um, you know, a lot of stuff. I have no idea how all that works. No. Oh, okay. Um, when uh, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't oh, really okay. want to make any comments about it's okay because I, I just do didn't know. And their drivers, yeah. I I didn't know if when you when you did it before, which now I know that it was with a different team. I thought maybe when you you tested before it was with one of John's funny cars. No, I mean that would that would be probably uh, that would be something that I would absolutely love to happen, but I don't I don't. You know, that's not ever been anything that's been discussed or okay. anything. I don't have that kind of a, a relationship really with John or anything like that. You know, I worked there as a as a crew guy, and and that was that was about as far as that went. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fi- finally, um, and, and please don't uh, get mad when I ask you this. Um, where do you see yourself in the next five to ten years in racing if the move to, to a funny car doesn't work out? Not saying it will, but funding, as as we talked about, is always the question mark with all these teams. Sometimes they have funding, and sometimes they don't. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And, and, and HRA Nitro is a very volatile sport, um, I think largely because of... of the, the huge expense it takes to run one of those teams for a year, you know. I mean, to run a competitive NHRA funny car team, you're, you're looking at somewhere between 3 and $5 million for a season. Um, that's obviously uh, a, a huge concern of mine is, is what happens if if this, this never happens and, and the wheels fall off the wagon and I don't get to do – I don't make that goal. Um 
it's not something I lose sleep about, though. It's it's something that motivates me even more, you know, to, to have something that's that big a challenge and that overwhelmingly um, difficult is kind of what feeds my passion and my motivation. Um, if I don't end up making that that move in the funny car and then never get to run it, I can't can't come up with the funding, which is a very realistic problem. Um, I will just continue with my racing career at whatever level I can I can afford and and I can stay at the I've tried to stay as extremely diverse as possible and whether it be you know driving tuning crewing um a combination of those things on on alcohol nitro nostalgia pro mod funny car dragster whatever it is um as long as i'm in this sport and and i still have the passion to succeed and win and develop I don't see me ever being disappointed with with where I end up, you know, for a a young a young man to move from the other side of the world from a small country like Australia and be able to carve a career in drag racing in the US. Uh, I feel like I've already achieved more than I ever dreamed of initially. You know, I obviously have much higher goals now than I did before I, I moved here. But uh, I, I've had a, a um, I guess, outlook on life. My outlook on life is, is I don't want to be sitting in a nursing home as an elderly man wishing i wondering what could have happened if i had have taken chances and made choices and and tried to reach for these overwhelming goals you know i'd, I'd feel like i'll be much more comfortable as an elderly man sitting there going well you know i tried and and this is how far i, I made it if i fail i fail or if i I succeed, I succeed. It won't be for a lack of trying. I, I think I'll be much more comfortable looking back on my life, uh, knowing that I gave it everything I everything I could. I don't ever want to die wondering my dad has a sticker on the fuel tank of our funny car that, that we bought together. Um, it says, don't die wondering. And it's uh, something that, that I... Um, you know, I, I, I kind of live by day to day and, and, and try and make my life decisions based on that. And uh, hopefully, you know, I'll look back to life and have uh, few regrets and, 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 you know, be, be able to be happy with the decisions I've made and the choices I've made and the direction my life's taken. Thank you for your time today, Steve. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Caruso Way podcast. We hope you come back next Sunday for an all-new episode.